You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, brought to you by Vessi Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. Well, folks, today I'm going to talk about sunchokes, or Jerusalem artichokes, as they're otherwise known, or other names such as the sunroot or the earth apple. Actually, I like sunroot. If I was to call these anything it was up to me, sunroot would be the word I use to describe them. But anyway, I'm going to go with sunchokes. I think that's one of the more ubiquitous names, although a lot of people know them as uh, Jerusalem artichokes. We'll get into the etymology, how the word we use to refer to that thing was arrived at uh, later on. Um, but first I'm going to start with a description. And uh, I'm going to start off with a gardener's description, the way I would look at describing this sort of thing. The sunchoke, I'll use that term, is a calorie crop. Um, why is it a calorie crop? Well, because it's about 70 calories per 100 grams, not, not too far off from a potato, but pretty much very similar in terms of the caloric uh, value of it per weight. Um, they're dead easy to grow from a gardener's point of view. Stick them in the ground, they grow. Uh, even easier than potatoes, less demanding in terms of soil quality. They'll grow anywhere. Uh, you harvest them in the late fall or early, you harvest them after the the frost comes or very early spring around now this time of year I just harvest some last weekend I'll talk about that as we go along here um, they don't store well I mean there's, there's ways to store them but in terms of like cold room and that sort of thing they're really they're freezing they're really not you don't store them that way you, there's a way to store them it's not as convenient as one might think but it's also convenient in another way depends on how you look at it I'll go and get into that more as we go along uh, What's wonderful about them is that they taste really, really good. They're, they're, they're sweet tasting, uh, flavorful, complex flavor, and really taste like nothing you've, you've ever had before. So uh, appearance-wise, when they're growing, they have the appearance of a giant flower, uh, something between a, they look like a giant yellow daisy. Uh, they're in the sunflower family. They grow about four foot high or higher I think you know mine are probably between four and five feet high and uh, with a good summer I imagine they grow even uh, higher and so the, the plant grows really really high, like a sunflower and then you get this uh, large yellow daisy like flower that uh, appears uh, and, and and actually ornamentally you, you can cut the flowers off you don't really need them to produce flower you're not eating the flower the flower doesn't become anything you want um, you can literally cut the flowers off and use them as cut flowers on your table as a decoration. And because uh, that's not the part you're eating and it doesn't really affect the production of the root, which is the part you eat. So the root of this plant has the appearance of a, uh, of a like a, looks like a ginger root or it tastes nothing like that whatsoever. It's a tuber. It's a, a multi-segmented, funny-looking, ginger root-looking, but not exactly, but that's the closest thing I could think of off the top of my head. It uh, looks like that. Uh, the taste tastes like uh, that's hard to say I mean it's uh, when you have them raw you can eat them raw or cooked I prefer them cooked like most things <laughs> um, when you have them raw they're, they're sweet and crunchy and nutty they would have the texture of a uh, of a um, water chestnut but not the same flavor I would say a more complex flavor than a water chestnut uh, kind of sweet kind of nutty like very crunchy like a water chestnut um, if you cook them, there's different ways to cook them. I've even done videos on this. But even the video, I, I did a video where I cooked them on a stove top. As I was trying to show one of the simpler ways to cook them with some garlic and stuff like that. But in my opinion, the best way to cook them 
is to cut them up into like thumb sized pieces and toss them with some salt and pepper a little bit of oil and bake them in the oven for about an hour uh, they when they're baked in that way the texture is not unlike a like a portobello mushroom a sort of mush kind of mushy but it doesn't sound very appetizing but uh, mushrooms are good <laughs> they take on a mushroom like texture they become very soft and uh, squishy kind of thing but they taste really good it's, it's almost a smoky flavor um, like they've been barbecued even though you, you you know I'm sure over the barbecue they'd be good too but a very smoky flavor and a sweet taste very sweet taste because they've got a, a kind of sugar in them called uh, anulin which uh, at least from what I've read I'm not a nutritionist I'm not an expert on this sort of thing they have their, they're high in a type of sugar that makes them taste very sweet um, so what's the history of these plants? I'm going to talk about how to plant them and how to grow them and all that sort of stuff uh, as we go along here. But let's just give a little bit of history. Uh, you know, I never heard of these things until um, I think I think I learned about these from watching. Uh, and I, I keep plugging this guy, but honestly, he never talks to me. <laughs> I tried to get him on my show, and <laughs> I still like him, but he, he just won't return my emails because he gets way way more views than me. Uh, 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 Patrick Dolan, he's got a, a YouTube, but you know, credit where credit's due, a uh, YouTube channel called One Yard Revolution, just a guy growing stuff in his backyard, not unlike myself. Uh, only he's been doing it longer in terms of being on YouTube, and he's got a much larger following. I learned about sunchokes from watching um, his videos, and uh, I just literally came, I was helping out uh, my uh, kids, uh, at my kids' school, they have a little garden there, I was helping them out with their gardens. And I dug up a bunch of roots that looked really similar to me to what sunchokes were. And I asked them if I could take some home, and I did. And I've been growing sunchokes ever since. I have no idea what variety I have. They're just ones I got for free. Um, this time of year, if you stick the roots in the ground about four inches deep, uh, you'll have a, a huge crop of sunchokes next fall. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the history of these things. They're indigenous to North America. They're one of the... A uh, few root calorie crops that are indigenous to uh, northeastern North America. Uh, and they were brought back to the old world, you know, Europe, by explorers. Uh, for example, I'll, I'll use a Canadian example because that's where I'm from. Uh, the, the sort of famous uh, Samuel de Champlain, um, you know, he was an explorer that uh, established, uh, you know, colony locations such as Port Royal, St. John, even Quebec City. I was involved in the establishment of those uh, major uh, ports of call, and uh, he brought the. I'm sure it wasn't just him, but he he brought the uh, sunchoke uh, back to France, and uh, he described the taste as that of an artichoke. Uh, I think artichokes have anulin in the, in as well. I, I don't really see a strong connection taste-wise. I don't find their um, similar I, I suppose they're slightly similar in certain ways but I don't, I don't see a strong connection um, anyway over time so you know these uh, I don't know what they would have called them I, I'm, I'm basing a lot of my information here just off of Wikipedia so you can read this for yourself um, but describe the taste as an artichoke fast forward a little bit you've got Italian settlers in North America they're growing them they're using the Italian word for sunflower which is you know, girasole or something like that, girasole. Um, and then yada, 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 you have Americans hearing that word and translating it into something that sounds familiar to them. 
Uh, everybody was very religious, uh, so they use a term like Jerusalem. So you have the Jerusalem artichoke, and then it's like Jerusalem artichoke. And that's how, you know, one of the arguments for how this term came to, they have nothing to do with Jerusalem. They're not from Jerusalem. They're not from that part of the world. And they're not artichokes, not, aren't related to artichokes in the slightest. Um, but they're called Jerusalem artichokes. It's one of the arguments for how that term um, came around. Now, the term sunchoke was developed in the 1960s, probably as more of a, a grocer's marketing type angle. Um, it's a good term. I, again, I, I think sunroot, because if I was trying to sell a food, I would never end the name of that food with the word choke. <laughs> would not be my uh, son choke. Uh, I would never describe a food and end it with choke, but that's me. Um, I like sunroot because it's a root and it looks like a sunflower and it likes the sun and it's a very sunny. It has a very pleasant sunny sort of appearance. They're a wonderful thing uh, to have in your garden. You, you'd, you know, they're they're very tall and they 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 um, sort of take over a little bit. So you'd you'd want to have them at the far uh, north end of your garden. You wouldn't want to have them, um, you know casting shade on your garden and that's that's basically where I have them but even then um, you don't have to plant them uh, in your garden proper right you can plant them anywhere stick them in a ditch uh, stick them in your flower bed uh, it's, a, it's an ornamental so I mean if you had a flower bed you could put them at the back of your flower bed and you get this big flower you know, a couple times a year, you can get a nice uh, yield out of it as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it can be grown as an ornamental flower, but the side effect is that you you're going to get uh, a food out of it. Also, I I don't see why you know if you had a part of your property that was just overrun with some sort of aggressive weed, like gout weed or uh, maybe colt's foot. I mean, not everything. I probably not Japanese not not weed, but something with relatively uh, small roots, but ubiquitous roots like coltsfoot or, or goutweed. I honestly think this, uh, I haven't tried this because uh, <laughs> when I get these things on my property, I really uh, go at them hard to try to eradicate them. But, you know, I have, I have friends and I've known people that have properties that have just been taken over by things and they really feel completely overwhelmed by these uh, invasive weeds. And honestly, because of the nature of of the rooting habit of the sunchoke, I I think there's certain kinds of weeds because the the um, the sunchoke root really takes over space. I mean, it just grows. I mean, there are, there are people that actually argue that it, the sunchoke is an invasive weed, and I mean, from my point of view, uh, uh, an invasive weed is a weed that really travels far. Like I find, uh, and also I I have two two. Two ways of looking at an invasive weed is something you just can't get out once it's established, and something you don't want. It's got to have both those qualities for me to for me to consider an invasive weed. Um, honestly, I think because of the way uh, sunchokes grow, if if you had a problem with it, if you didn't want it somewhere, you could you could get it out of there without too much work because it's it's the root, it's the that big tuber that produces the next plant, not just little pieces of root from it sort of thing. And the really most invasive things, the slightest little piece of root will turn into a plant the following year. Goutweed is such a plant. Goutweed is just invincible like that. I mean, you can smother it. I mean, you have to smother it for multiple years to really kill it off good. Um, uh, sunchokes, I mean, if you're, as long as you get all those, those main uh, 
the uh, the tuber out, it's really not going to come back with any sort of strength. I you know I've been growing in my garden for a number of years. I find it relatively easy easy to contain, and I'll talk about how to do that. But anyway, all that being said, if you had an area on your property that had been overrun by something like geltweed, I would say digging up the soil about a bit there and jamming some sunchoke roots in the ground. Um, they should be able to hold their own with that goatweed and grow up and get above it and outcompete it for sun. And then as they're getting that sun, the roots, because of the way they, they form a mass, will outcompete those things. And certainly if you had a free source of uh, sunchoke roots and you had a lot of them, or if you're growing in one place in your garden, you had lots of those roots sticking around, I would jam them in where you have something like that just to see what you get because I mean that'll get you in the habit in that area if you have a, a patch of, of ground on your property that's been overrun by some sort of invasive weed you know you, you dig it up a little bit you stick the sunchoke root in there and then you come back in the fall and you dig it up again right so you're disturbing that soil making it difficult for the invasive weed and continually making the conditions in that part of the soil a place where the sunchokes are happy. I mean, you really can't go wrong. <laughs> you know, even if you even if you don't completely eradicate the goutweed, at least you'd be getting something out of that piece of earth uh, that you like, right? Um, and you can, and I guess for that matter, you can eat goutweed, but it kind of tastes like bitter parsley. I mean, there's so much, only so much parsley one needs. <laughs> and and you know, because people always say, oh, that's edible, blah 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 blah. It's like, yeah, it's it's kind of like parsley, but you know what, parsley is better. Uh, in my opinion, but anyway, that's a side, a side point. Uh, so, how do you grow the sunchoke? So, you you plant the root in um, either the fall or early spring. Uh, most providers where you can buy this sort of thing uh, sell them in early spring. You order them and you stick them in the ground around now. Uh, it depends on where you are, but certainly where I live, you know, it's sort of as early as the soil can be worked. Right, as soon as your soil thaws out. Um, that's when you can put them in the ground. Also, one of the great things is that this is also when you can harvest them. You know, as soon as your soil thaws out in the spring, you've got a small window of time before, you know, if you left some in the ground, um, you've got a small window of time to pluck those ones before they start growing, to pluck those out of the ground and eat them. So, I mean, last weekend, I was in the garden with my little girl. And uh, I picked a big bowl of these, and uh, you know they they made a fantastic uh, fantastic addition to our meal uh, last weekend. And I also brought some into work, and then gave some to uh, coworkers to plant in their yard, and told them all about them. And I still got a good number. I th I believe I have a good number left to dig up in the backyard. So this coming weekend, so it's like uh, April eighteenth. Uh, as I record this right now, Thursday. Um, but I plan to get out in the garden this weekend and maybe shoot a video where I dig up the remainder of them and talk about planting them. And you know, I'm going to do a video on that. I'll even in that video I'll talk about uh, where you can buy them. You, you, you know, I love my sponsor Vessies, but they don't sell sunchoke roots. Uh, they sponsor this podcast, so I'm not going to talk about where you can get them. But in that YouTube video uh, this weekend, I'll talk about. Uh, uh, a, a place you can buy them um, if, if you want to order them. If you're in Canada, if you're in the States, uh, 
you know, uh, just 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 go online and Google it. <laughs> you know, you can, I'm sure you can order them. Some, and if you're lucky, you've got a friend that's got them. And this is the time of year. If you know anybody that grows them, they can dig some up and give them to you, and you stick them in the ground. That's exactly how uh, I got sunchokes going in my garden. I was helping out make his school, and I dig some out of the ground, and I took them home, and I left them in the garage for about a week. Then I stuck them in the ground, and they grew. I mean, you know. When you pluck them out of the ground, you want to get them in the ground as soon as you can. But you got to remember how these things were brought back to Europe. You know, explorers and settlers and people like that uh, interacted with the indigenous people here, and they took them all the way back to Europe on a boat. Right? They, there was no jets back then, so <laughs> it would have been like months <laughs> before they got back in the ground, and uh, they still made it. Uh, you know, who knows how they? Maybe they stuck them in pots of earth or something. I don't know really how they trans, uh, transferred them. Um, but anyway, they're they're fairly tough. But that all that being said, if you if you get them from some source, I'd get them in the ground as soon as you can. And in the spring, you want to get them in the ground as as soon as the uh, soil can be worked. But yeah, I'm gonna do a video on them um, in a few days, weather permitting, if it's not too rainy this weekend, uh, showing you what they look like, showing. The, the state they're in uh, early in the season, and, and, and how I, uh, I I sort of cover the ground up where I keep them over the winter so that I can get at them earlier in the spring. And I just talk about lots of different. Uh, if you have any questions uh, coming from this podcast, uh, throw them at me and I'll try to answer them in that video if I can. Um, so um, you plant them in the fall, ideally, or in the spring. You can get them in the spring as I just said but in the fall uh, like November they, they taste best after a good frost in the spring they're good because the soil has been frozen all winter but it's it's in the late fall like I don't bother picking them till November the, the, the plant grows it gets this big flower and then the plant sort of dies it's good and dead and it's at that point in the fall when the ground starts heaving with frost and you know it's starting to get cold that's when they're they're at their best from a taste point of view so you you can pick you can dig them up in the fall you can also plant them in the fall at that point in time so i picked a whole bunch and i chose a different area to plant them in I, you know a different part of my property I, I built a little sort of kids garden um that my kids really don't use <laughs> so uh it's outside my garden enclosure it's not safe from deer and rabbits and stuff like that so i decided to put the, i'm pretty sure they're uh herbivore proof uh, so I plant those things. I planted a whole bunch of them there this year in the fall. Uh, the, that root is just an invincible sort of freeze-proof root. So I mean, I'm sure they're they're fine. So you can plant them in the fall just like you would a garlic, and you, the same depth. You plant them about uh, four inches deep, right? Like I just use my knuckle as a guide. If I'm holding them in the tips of my fingers, when my knuckles are at the soil level, that's about the right depth. Um, and then you put a little bit of mulch, two, three inches of mulch over top, and just forget about it, right? And they'll grow. Um, or you can plant them this time of year. So you dig up the remainder this time of year and decide where they're going to go. And in terms of like a return, if, if you had one piece of sunchoke, maybe the size of a, a golf ball, if you know that size, um, that one piece of sunchoke would give you as much sunchoke as you could possibly carry in both both your hands. You hold out your hands and, and cup them um, like you're you know begging for food sort of thing. You know that 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 classic pose where you've got your two hands out up, up 
your palms upward, holding your fingers stretched, trying to, you know, please, please, sir, can I have some more of that sort of uh, pose? Um, that's how much sun choke you'll get from one piece about the size of a uh, of a golf ball. So, I mean, it's a pretty good uh, yield return sort of thing, right? Um, now, in terms of storage, um, oh, I guess one other point. So I talked about harvesting in the fall, late fall. I talked about harvesting in the early spring. If you're really clever and if where you live, you've got the right conditions. If you can cover the area where they grew in the ground, so that they're best stored in the ground, right? You keep them in the ground. If you if you pick them like a like a carrot or a parsnip or a potato and put them in a cardboard box and try to store them in a cold room, they will degrade very quickly. They don't like that sort of setup. They'll They'll get all rubbery and spongy, and they just won't, won't do well in that setting. They just don't store like that. They like to be stored uh, in the ground. But if you're clever and you're proactive and you're living somewhere where the conditions are right, if you cover the ground where they are uh, and keep it from freezing in various, you know, put a whole bunch of hay over it, a whole bunch of leaves, or put some sort of, you know, plastic that lets light through, you know, almost create like a little greenhouse effect um, such that the ground can be worked uh, you can dig them out all winter and, and just eat them as you want. I, you know, even though I had, I put a window over mine this winter, but the ground still froze. <laughs> so uh, we just didn't get a lot of uh, uh, good sunlight this winter. So <laughs> they didn't. The plan was to be able to get at them during the winter, but the ground froze anyway. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so that's uh, you know really if you're going to store them and if you want to get them regularly throughout the winter, you need to find some way. You want to keep them in the ground where they grew. Find some way to, you know, make a note of where you had dug and where you hadn't dug before, and uh, just dig them as you need them if you can keep the ground from freezing. Um, now, how to cook? Um, the best way, in my opinion, is to uh, cut them into like thumb-sized pieces, toss them with a little oil, salt, and pepper, and roast them in the oven for about an hour. Uh, to me, that's the just a, a fantastic flavor. Um, I've read that you can have them raw and salad and that sort of stuff and I have tried that and they do taste very good but I find found that they are exceptionally gassy um, when you eat them raw and even baked like the way I just uh, started off with recommended I have read on various websites cooking websites where the chef writes the article that if you bake them in the oven it neutralizes the gassiness that is just simply not true. <laughs> if you bake them in the oven and you're, maybe some people are more sensitive than others, but if you bake them in the oven and eat them, uh, chances are uh, you're going to get a sensation in your intestines and so on, and you're going to have some gas and so on. I mean, one way to look at it, I suppose, and this I, I tend to see the bright side of things, but it's probably one of the greatest diet foods ever because if you have like, half a cup of sun chokes with a meal you are full and you're full all night <laughs> maybe even a good portion of the next day like they just it just seems to for me anyway maybe it's just my my anatomy or my biology or whatever but I find them extremely uh, gassy not, not a good thing to eat before a, a long meeting <laughs> you can't leave let's put it that way right uh, but certainly a good thing to eat if you're trying to like uh, cut down your uh, 
uh, cut down your eating because w once you eat these things, you're not hungry for quite some time because you, you just feel so uh, bloated. If you eat a lot of them, it'll be uncomfortable. You just have a little bit. They just give you this really full feeling. So ideal diet food and, you know, I mean, people eat things like uh, cabbage soup and these, these ridiculous uh, fad diets. Um, cabbage, you know, <laughs> I don't like cabbage soup unless it's full of uh, a hamburger. <laughs> but uh, this is a vegetarian food that you can eat that tastes really, really good. And uh, really does, <laughs> it certainly fills you up even though it's just filling you with gas. Um, now, I have read, I've not tried this, but I'm going to do it this year. Uh, if I have enough from the ones I picked this weekend, I might even do it this weekend. I have read that uh, if you ferment them, like the way I do my, my pickles, right? If you ferment them, that is supposed to solve that problem, right? So they've got, from what I've read, they've got a kind of sugar in them called anulin, which is not unlike uh, fructose, I guess, but not the same. And your stomach, uh, the enzymes in your stomach cannot uh, digest or break down that anulin. So it's it just passes through your system and then when it gets in your I think your small intestine uh, there's bacteria in, in, in that part of your body that just love this stuff and go to town on it but uh, once it's that far down your intestinal system uh, there's not a lot of options for places for that gas to go if you know what I'm talking about so uh, <laughs> not a lot of room either you know your stomach's sort of designed for gas uh, every other part of your digestive system is not as well designed for gas, if, <laughs> if you know what I'm getting at. Um, anyway, apparently, if you ferment these things, um, the uh, the organisms that live in that that fermentation uh, solution, they will deal with that anulin and turn it into something else and change the the nature of the um, of the sunchoke such that it doesn't have that effect on you. And from what I've read, apparently it's still uh, very crunchy, so you can have the uh, the pleasure of a of the of a fresh one in terms of it being uh, sweet and crunchy, and of course salty because it's for, uh, you know lacto fermented. If I say fermentation, I'm talking about lacto fermentation, um, but without the uh, the side effect <laughs> of uh, of all that stuff. Um, I guess to that effect, anyone that has any knowledge of how to prepare these things. I've read that if you boil them with uh, lemon juice, it completely neutralizes all of that, but that doesn't sound very appetizing to me, just boiling them with lemon juice. Um, I think this weekend when I try them, I'm going to toss them with lemon and let them sit in it a bit, maybe some lemon and some garlic and some salt, and let them sit in it for a couple hours before I bake them and just see what kind of effect that has, because that I, I, there's, a, there's a way I do a sort of a Greek style, the way I do potatoes like that, lemon and garlic, some herbs that I really, really like. So I think that might might work with these as well. And if it if it even takes some of that away, it would be great because it, it's such an easy plant to grow. It is so prolific. You get so much back. You put no energy into it. I mean, I've even uh, grown them in the walking paths of my garden. They'll grow anywhere. And, uh, I mean... Sure, if they're in, you know, super fertile, loamy, rich soil, I'm sure you get uh, a bigger return. But there's very few things you can jam into terrible soil and get a really good return. This is one of those things you can almost stick them in anywhere and you'll get, you know, for almost no work, 
get something back, right? So that's a, a great kind of thing to get, especially if you can get a free source. But even if you buy them, I mean, you buy some this year and you, you eat very little and plant a whole lot in the fall, you know, separate them and plant them. Um, from that point on, you'll never, you know, if you buy them once, you'll never buy them again. And if you're worried about them, because people will say, and people will comment on this podcast, I know they will. Those are invasive. Everybody says they're invasive, blah, blah, blah. Number one, they're, they're fairly easy to contain. But even if you're worried about that, you could grow them in a pot if you really wanted to. I don't grow anything in a pot, but you could. Or you can just plant them. I might even do an experiment like this year, this year if I can get around to it. Just plant them somewhere where you don't care about. Some corner of your property. Some ditch somewhere. Behind your wood pile. You know, <laughs> wherever. Just stick them anywhere. Uh, they'll grow. They're an incredibly tenacious, tough plant. And they don't, they don't seem to mind lousy soil. Um, so if you don't, if you're worried about them being in your garden, like a good example is uh, mint. I never put mint in my garden because, boy, you get mint in somewhere, it's never coming out. It's mint is to me an invasive. I like mint. I like mint tea, and I like certain dishes with mint in it. But um, I, I don't want it everywhere. And you get that in your garden, man. It is really tough to get out. Uh, much tougher than these things. Um, so I tend to plant mint, uh, just like jamming in the behind my wood pile sort of thing where I store my uh, firewood. Uh, so I think the, that might be a good place for the sunchokes uh, as well. I'm going to do something. I'm going to keep some of my garden because I like them and I don't mind having them in there. I, I, I feel like I can contain them. I, I haven't felt like they've gotten out of control over the last few years. I'm not too worried about it. But just for the sake of my YouTube channel and, and showing people different things you can do with these, I think <coughs> I'll do the experiment this year where I just jam them in really weird places that you'd never think to stick them uh, just to see how well they do, how much I get back. I'll try to record how much I put in and how much comes out. So anyway, that's the episode today. Sun chokes. I, I like doing uh, episodes on uh, un <coughs> unconventional things that people wouldn't normally think to plant. Now, the sun choke is very well adapted to growing in uh, North America and cold places. It's I think it's uh, hardy to zone 3, I believe. Really tough plant, really easy to grow, tastes great. Uh, you know, it's it's relatively pest free too. You don't see it being attacked by things or born. You know, the, the, you know, I've noticed a few bites out of some of mine. So I imagine uh, various kinds of uh, either mole or maybe uh, oh, what's it called? It's like a mouse, but uh, it's not coming to mind. Uh, it's like a mouse-like rodent that lives in the ground. It's just not. I can't remember what it's called right now. Uh, anyway, uh, some sort of little, little tiny mouse type thing. I uh, choose on them a little bit, but they they take less than 1%, so I don't really care about that. Um, so, you know, they're relatively pest free. I've never really noticed any real pest damage on them in terms of, uh, you know, slugs and things like that. So, I mean, it's an easy thing to grow, pest free, maintenance free. Stick them in the ground, forget about them, pick them when you want to eat them. That's my kind of plant. So, yeah, there's an episode on Sunchoke. If you want to support the show, uh, look in the description box here. Check out my sponsors, Vessi Seed, the Safer's Gardening products. They've got some uh, coupon codes there. You can go to their websites. And uh, if there's anything that they sell that you need, buy it from them, and that will help convince them that I'm a good uh, partner for them, and they'll continue to uh, fund this podcast and make this all easier and make it possible for me to buy the equipment and all that sort of stuff that's uh, involved in doing this. So, 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and if you did, please like, share, subscribe, and all that good stuff. I really appreciate you, uh, your continued listenership, and if you're new, thanks for uh, checking out my podcast. I got plenty more, uh, <laughs> plenty more where that came from, and uh, I've got lots of YouTube videos too if you're interested in that. So until next time, thanks for listening. Get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden.